You know, Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he reveals the antidote to the lies we're told that have become increasingly harder to detect. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapters, Pastor Jack exposes how to combat deceptive spirits and equips us when we're deceived by the ultimate liar, Satan himself. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is a powerful must-read, and when you order, you can bundle by getting the DVDs and a downloadable link for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com radio. That's jackhibbs.com radio. Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. God's Word's true. I don't believe it. That's on you. God's provided everything. It's okay if you're skeptical. That's fine. But just don't stay there. Dig in. Find out. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. When eyes can hear us and there's nowhere to hide, this is the good news. Our pride is laid low before God. And that is distributed to us, or I should say displayed before us, in verse 2 when it says that Abraham uh, had no boasting, he had no rights, he had no standing uh, regarding merit. And it says there, but not before God. If Abraham could boast in any way, shape, or form, it could only be before mankind, but not before God. Look at the latter end of verse 2. This is very important. For the believer, we are to be stripped of our pride. And when I, when I mean pride, I mean this. I don't mean grateful that you are excellent at what you do and you're a tremendous athlete in this area or you are a great piano player. I'm not talking about those things that God has blessed you with and, you, and you're delighted. And I'm talking about the pride by which you and I approach God thinking that if God has us, it's a sweet deal for heaven, <laughs> Uh, my, look, God, you've got me and your family. Aren't you lucky? No, the Bible knows nothing of this. Our pride is laid low before God, and that's a great thing. Abraham, no, he had no place to boast before God. God's the one that initiated it. God's the one that called him out of this pagan land of the Chaldeans. It was God who spoke to him. And it reminds me of just the grandeur of who our God is. I personally believe that it's a very, very backslidden Christian. Look, we're all prone to this, so we have to keep an eye on one another. We're very prone as humans in our flesh uh, to have some form of level of pride active at any given time. You said, not me, Pastor. I am so humble. I'm so humble, Pastor, you have no idea. That's really proud. We all have to deal with it. It's like the cancer of our soul. Pride. 
But I tell you, listen, we're to keep it under control, and God's word gives us that power to do that. But this is how, in my opinion, this is my opinion, this is how the word of God does it in my life. I'll give you an example. Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Now, you're going to forgive me in advance, right? If I get excited about this passage, it's because it means so much to me in my life. Read it often. I delight in this. Why? Because it makes me feel really small. I get real tiny when I read this. Here we go. John said, and when I saw him, Christ, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand upon me, saying to me, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. Stop right there. Verse 17. Revelation 1.17. The first time you'd be introduced to the first and the last is in the book of Isaiah. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is revealing himself through the prophet Isaiah. And he's announcing. He said, Isaiah, you tell Israel, I am the first and the last. I am almighty God. There is no God formed before me, nor shall there be any God after me. I am alone. I am God. I am the first and the last. No one takes this title to himself. Well, Jesus just did. Verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Somebody, listen, somebody get excited about that. That's incredible. This is Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible, who saves your soul. Why should my pride be laid low? Because the one I worship is the eternal God, the, first, the, the, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was, who is, who is to come, the Almighty. All of those are Old Testament references to the very person of Christ. And whoever he is, he lived... He died, and he lives again. That's it, right there. No wonder why John fell down on his face. My pride, your pride, goes out the window when we realize that regarding this God of ours, that there's nowhere to hide from his grandeur and from his glory, and why would you? When you look at who he is in the Bible, I'm not talking about following people. Did we not learn yet again did you see the news this week? Listen, people, why do you guys spend so much time in the Bible? That Bible study was an hour long. Let me tell you what happens when you don't spend time going through the Bible on a regular basis. You wind up taking the name of Jesus and destroying it publicly all around the world. You drag his, his beloved church through the mud and wind up destroying tens of thousands of people when you can't keep your pants on, doing drugs with a prostitute in a hotel, and being so stoned that you wind up posting what you're doing. And that's exactly what happened in one of the world's biggest Christian leaders this week. Have I not been telling you to keep your eyes on Jesus? But listen, to do that, you must go through the Bible. And when you do not go through the Bible and teach sermonettes for Christianettes, you wind up having no power. And this is a tragic time for the church. As long as we had the right lighting, as long as we had the right superstar singing, as long as we had the right feel, as long as we made the church so much like the world that the world wouldn't know that when they came to church that we were anything different than the world. And then they would come because we're just like the world. 
And that's what they did. The church doesn't need to become like the world. Listen, guess what? Church, the world is much smarter than the, than the church believes. The world is sick of sin. Many people are sick to death of sin in the world. And they're looking for hope. They're looking for the answers. They're looking for Jesus. And they don't know how to look for him, but they stumble into a church that's just like the world. God has offered us change and a whole new life and a whole new kingdom. And it's a whole new beginning. It's not something that has a tax exemption that's just like the world. It's a horrible thing. It's a tragic thing. God's word levels us in our pride. We should all be laying down on our face with John and saying, wow, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the first and the last. He's the one. It's Jesus. And he's alive forevermore. He's my God. He's my savior. Isaiah chapter six tells us, verse one, Isaiah gives us the Old Testament version of this. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled, or the glory robe, both the same, filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, angelic creature, strange thing. Each one had six wings with two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, so he had three sets of wings. With two, he flew. And one cried to the other saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door, and John is seeing heaven. The posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, this is, John, this is uh, Isaiah speaking, woe is me. The word woe is condemned, uh, undone, condemned. I'm, I have no hope. I'm, done. I'm undone. I got nothing here. Woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes, here's the reason, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God that is to be governing our lives as believers. It's not for us that people should see us living and being and speaking and acting different. It's for his name. It's for his glory that we live. Well, listen, we are supposed to be followers of Jesus. Not some sn snobby, legalistic, right? Unapproachable religionist. And Isaiah was laid low at the scene of his God. Daniel put it this way, Daniel 8, verse 27, Daniel said, I, Daniel, <laughs> fainted and was sick for many days after. When he saw heaven, Daniel got sick. Wow, can you imagine? I just want to see heaven. I want to see a vision. Are you sure? <laughs> it's probably safer to read your Bible and go with that. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, Philippians 2.10 says, and we read it last week, but it bears repeating, that at the name of Jesus, listen, this is going to happen someday. By the way, as I read this, I highly recommend you do it now instead of later. If you do it now, it's going to go well with you later. If you do it later and not now, it's not going to go well for you. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, 
those on earth and those under the earth, the underworld, spirit realm, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? Why? Because Jesus Christ is Lord. He's, he's Lord. He's, he's the one. I mean, there's nowhere to go with that. See, it comes down to this choice. Do I believe this or not? And then number two, this is our second point in our study, when eyes can hear us, is that there's, there's no way to lose. These are, again, all positives. Paul is not beating up the church in Rome. He's giving them incredible, encouraging statements that there's no way to lose church. That's what we see in verse three. Number one is this in verse three, is that salvation is founded upon the scriptures. The scriptures, I'm so grateful for this. The scriptures, the Bible. For those of you who don't know, did, uh, did you, or have you ever considered why or how has the Bible endured thousands and thousands of years? It's kind of a fun question. We're in the 21st century. Isn't this thing old? Uh, that's a hard question. I guess it's old, but it's for now, and it's eternal, so it's ageless. This book's timeless. This is the book that wrote down the future in advance on the pages. It's called Prophecy. This is the book that says, regarding the Hittites, that they lived in a certain region. And then everybody says, that's ridiculous. There's never been anything found that ever substantiates the Hittite kingdom. And then people start digging around in the dirt. And then they find out Hittite artifacts. Then they say, there was not even a King David. There's no evidence. We can't even find if there was a King David. And then they start digging around, and they find artifacts displaying David from the house of Jesse. Well, you know what? There, the Bible says that this guy, Quirinius, was the governor of Syria at the time of Christ, and we can't find any evidence about that until some archaeologists start digging in the dirt and find out that there was a governor in Syria by the name of Quirinius. The Bible says in, in Psalm, uh, oh, I'm going from memory, watch it, <laughs> going from memory here, S Psalm 45, I think, maybe around verse 4 says that the truth, the earth shall cast out truth, or you'll be able to draw truth out of the earth. Yeah. Man, if I was an archaeologist, I'd have a t-shirt with that on it. <laughs> you know what's so cool? Read your Bible, go get a shovel. Get a ticket, fly to the Middle East. I think I met somebody before service. They're from Persia. There you go. Did you know Persia's Bible land? People used to say, there's, no, there's been no, these empires. And then, listen, if you don't like what I'm saying, and you say, that's not true. I'm going to fact check that. Okay, can you, note to self, fact checkers are fake. <laughs> turns, out that, turns out that the fact checkers who check the fact checkers regarding fact-checking, <laughs> that something like seven out of 10 of those companies are owned by George Soros. <laughs> How funny is that? Of course he's gonna be honest. So don't listen to anybody, just like the resurrection guy on the tarmac there at the airport. Uh, get in an airplane and fly to London. Go to the Museum of History in England. And you can spend days going through all of the Babylonian displays or the displays of the Persian Empire and of Cyrus and Darius and all of these kings and all of these despots that ruled when people used to make fun of the Bible. People used to mock the Bible. And then in 1948 or 1949, 
a shepherd boy is looking for his sheep is lost, ran into a cave, and the kid didn't want to go in the cave, so he said he threw a rock into the cave and he heard glass break, so that kind of freaked him out. So he went in there and found these huge urns, beautiful urns, and he wound up telling people about it. Long story short, turned out to be the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Bible in those scrolls, in those urns. Open it up. You can go to Jerusalem today, the Museum of the Book. Take a walk. It's all laid out. And there's the scripture. And they'll point out in that museum, in Jerusalem, that there's no difference from that to the old King James Bible. God preserves his word. God's word's true. I don't believe it. That's on you. God's provided everything. It's okay if you're skeptical. That's fine. But just don't stay there. Dig in. Find out. But know this. God is awesome. You can't save yourself. You need to believe in him, just like Abraham did. And God transformed his life. We'll learn about this more in a moment. But it's all founded upon the word of God. So listen, I I wrote this note to myself. But look, if I get tormented by these things, I am going to bring them into a message and share my torment with you. (laughs) And it's this, a note to myself, maybe it's to you. How responsive am I to following directions? Me. So ask yourself that question. And when it comes to obeying a command or reading the instructions in a manual, (laughs) how compliant am I to those directions? And I have to be honest with you. You guys, my first thought was, how responsive am I to following directions? Me? Listen, totally, I thought, totally. I grew up in a Marine Corps home. Some of you did four years. I did 19 years in the Marine Corps. <laughs> I, left, I, left my de- I left home at 19. Uh, so I was in the Marine Corps for 19 years. <laughs> and um, I learned how to obey. And I have to tell you something. This is a little side note. It has nothing to do with our Bible study exactly. But I wound up working for a corporation, and I wound up being in a position at a corporation and supervised over people in this global corporation. And you know how I got that job? I should say, you know how I kept that job? Doing what I was told. That there was a time when human resources said, listen, you cannot tell people that you didn't go to Stanford or that you didn't go to San Diego State and that you didn't go to Northwestern because you got people working underneath you that graduated from Johns Hopkins and they think you did too. (laughs) So you cannot say a thing. Did you know? It was crazy. Why? Because I grew up learning how to obey. Now, I grew up with a whip learning how to obey. When God says obey, you need to know it's not going to be by whip. It's because he wants your life to be blessed. And so when you evaluate yourself, the second one really got me because I don't read instructions. So I don't obey after all. We get a, you know, get a tricycle for the grandkids. Putting that baby together. Look, do I have the, come on. Just like you. Do I? Guys, do we have time to read instructions? We gotta go. We got things to do. Then Lisa comes into the garage and says, I thought it was a tricycle. What's this? Where's the other wheel? Three. Try. 
three, tri wheel, tricycle. What is that? Then I have to read the instructions. It takes me twice as long because I didn't read the instructions. Instructions. Right here. And it, you'll just chase yourself in the desert without these instructions. He gives us instructions. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected.